Are you ready to finally start your own podcast? Maybe you already have one, but need a podcast manager to help you level up. We're here for either. Book a call at www.kangroofern.com www.kangroofern.com Oh, hello. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to our program. And we are here today to introduce our next speaker. So our next speaker is a... She is the community manager at Squadcast, a remote podcast recording platform that captures audio and video. She also founded Earbuds Podcast Collective, a podcast recommendation newsletter and podcast. She's been in the podcast space for four years and has held roles in all over the industry as a studio manager, an in-app podcast curator, a host, a producer, and a scriptwriter. Here to talk to us on whether should we have newsletters and newsletters to accompany our podcast or not, let's welcome Miss Ariel Nissenblatt. Hi. Hi, how are you? Hey, I'm Ariel. Good. How about okay. you? Looking forward to your talk this afternoon. I mean, yeah. what, is, what time is it there? Yeah, no, it's it's are. 10 p.m. Eastern time here in New York. But, oh. oh, but that's okay. okay. But that's okay. All right. All good. Let's give him. Let's give her the stage. Thank yes. you. Yes. Can you tell oh. us more about this? Yeah. Yes. Newsletters. Yes. I'm happy yes. to talk about newsletters. So thank you so much to everybody for having me. Thank you to Miko for uh, inviting me today to speak. I am. I'm very excited to speak about why your podcast should or should not have a newsletter uh, as part of its marketing strategy. But before I go into that, I would love to tell you a bit about me and my background. Uh, And then I'll kind of give you an overview of what my chat is going to look and sound like, and then we'll jump into it. So like, like I said, my name is Ariel Nissenblatt, and I am the community manager at Squadcast.fm, the remote podcast and video recording software. I've been at Squadcast for about seven months, and my job there is to build community, to bring folks together under the commonality that they are all using Squadcast. We've got amazing content creators, and how do these content creators want to connect with each other um, on the internet, maybe eventually in person, and what are the best ways for them to connect? So I am working on all of... um, all, all sorts of initiatives to get folks involved, and that's been really great. But backing up a little bit further, I've been in the podcast space officially since 2017. Um, I started a podcast recommendation newsletter, what we're here to discuss, in February of 2017 when I was just a newbie to the podcast space. I didn't know much about it. I just knew that I wanted to listen to more podcasts, and how could I do that? And my idea was you know, maybe what I can do is send out a weekly podcast recommendation newsletter that has a theme and five podcast episodes on that theme. But the the trick there is that I'm going to (laughs) sneeze. The trick there is that each week would be curated by a different person. That way we get to listen to the favorite podcasts of anybody throughout the world and anyone can sign up to curate a list. And so that newsletter has been running every single Sunday night since February 13th, 2017. We've had over 200 curators and counting and so many different lists. And if you want to learn more about that, you can go to earbudspodcastcollective.org and you can sign up to receive the newsletter there. So 
starting that newsletter kind of kind of put me on the path to understanding the podcast space in a more in, in a broader sense. I when I started, I just knew that I loved listening to podcasts. But then getting into the newsletter space, I became aware of other newsletters and I subscribed to both newsletters about the podcast industry and podcast newsletters about specific podcasts. So, for example, the first one that I signed up for was The Minimalists, a podcast about how to live a minimalist life. And I'm not I'm no longer subscribed to this newsletter, but it was the point of the newsletter was that they reminded you every day, uh, every new episode that they had that they had a new episode coming out. So we'll get into why that's important for your newsletter. But first, let's continue. So what I'm going to do today is talk to you a little bit about creating a newsletter in the podcast space. And then um, I want to hear from some folks in the chat. So please feel free to interact with me in the chat. I believe I have access to that. Miko, can you let me know if I'm able to view the chat while I'm doing this? That would be lovely. Okay. Um, yeah, Miko, just let me know when you have a chance. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I'd like to hear about your podcast. I'd like to hear what questions you have about potentially starting a newsletter and what challenges you might think would come along with starting a newsletter. Um, so first let's get into what newsletters can do for you. So the good thing about a podcast, your podcast is that you are cultivating an audience. And when you're cultivating an audience, you are able to, they're waiting on you for every single thing that, um, for everything that comes out of your, out of your mouth, they want to hear about it. The, the folks who are subscribed to your podcast are subscribed to your podcast. And yes, they're probably subscribed to a lot of other podcasts, but they are there for you. And because you have them, um, in your subscription, uh, because they are subscribed to your podcast, you are, you are what they are looking forward to. You can maximize that, that reach, that influence that you have over those people by also sending them a, a newsletter. And yes, of course, there's social media, but social media can only go so far because we don't control it, unfortunately. When you have a newsletter, though, you essentially own those, those email addresses that are associated. So you have a lot of power with those email addresses because you can address them directly however often you want to address them. Of course, we can get into cadence and things like that. So let me talk a little bit about the background of starting Earbuds Podcast Collective. So the way this will differ from a potential podcast newsletter for your podcast is that it is the Earbuds Podcast newsletter is not about any specific podcast. It's about the podcasts that are being curated by different people each week. So the way the newsletter works is that... Um, Right now, the iteration that we're in right now is that we have a curator's form on our website. It's earbudspodcastcollective.org, like I said, and anybody has access to that curator's form. And once somebody has access to that curator's form, they fill out the five podcast episodes that they want to choose. They fill out the podcast um, theme that they want to choose. And the very exciting thing about it for folks is that you are allowed to choose one of your own podcast episodes as part of your theme, as long as it fits into the other episodes and the theme that you've chosen. The idea behind that is that it's a little bit of a marketing tool for you. So what will happen often is that I will have folks who um, work in podcast PR, public relations, who will 
sign up to curate lists for their clients so that maybe when they have a podcast coming out, um, they'll schedule, they'll schedule to curate a list around that launch date. So that's, that's kind of an added bonus for people who are curating a list with my newsletter. So once that form gets filled out, we, we receive it on our end and, um, we are able to put all the information into our MailChimp, our email service service provider, and we schedule the newsletter to go out. We also schedule a web page to go out along with it. We schedule social posts and we back everything up with a podcast episode. We have a podcast episode that goes out with alongside every single newsletter that goes out because we believe that we want to have it accessible um, auditorily in addition to visually. And we also feel like we should do a little bit of um, of walking the walk, not just talking the talk. We're talking about podcasts all the time. Might as well create a podcast and kind of have that example for ourselves. So that podcast is called Feedback with Earbuds. And when folks curate a list for us, they are also able to have that. Um, they're also able to have their podcast mentioned on our podcast. So just more exposure for them. So it's it's really um, an opportunity just for more and more people to find your podcast and for more and more people to find out about the podcasts that you love and that you've chosen as part of your theme. So when I started the newsletter in 2017, I didn't really know what I was doing in terms of entering the newsletter space, entering the podcast space. I only knew that I wanted to listen to more podcast recommendations. And um, because of that, when I started the newsletter, I started it on Gmail and I was capturing email addresses by having a survey monkey survey that essentially said, do you want to receive five podcast episodes every week? And about a hundred people um, signed up on the survey monkey sheet. And it was, I know it's a hundred because the free version of survey monkey ends at a hundred. So after that, I kind of had some trouble figuring out what to do next, but I'll get into that. So once I had all of those people on, um, on Gmail, I would BCC them and write out a very, honestly, it was not aesthetically pleasing, a newsletter that was not very pretty. Um, it was essentially, here are the five podcast episodes that we are going to be listening to this week. And I would send out that newsletter. About two months in, I accidentally CC'd everybody rather than BCCing them, which meant that a hundred or so people had access to each other's email addresses. And that's when my friend emailed me and said, you need to look into the possibility of moving to MailChimp. And I said, you're right. So without knowing anything about email service providers, I jumped right on into MailChimp. I learned the ropes. I figured out how to create templates. I played around a little bit with color and style. We sent out our first newsletter on MailChimp. And now looking back, that is not, not aesthetically pleasing either but it was a step up from sending by way of Gmail. Over the four years, the newsletter has changed a lot because I have learned a lot about what it means to create a clickable email, what it means to create pleasing calls to action, something that somebody wants to click on. And um, it's really interesting, actually, if you go through, if you go to the website, earbudspodcastcollective.org, and on the navigation bar, um, click on podcast recommendations. I have the years kind of filled out that way. And it's a really interesting look through how the newsletter has changed over time. And this past February, so on our fourth anniversary, anniversary, we revealed our 
new logo and branding. So we changed from blues and grays and blacks to purples and dark purples. We think it's a, a stronger look and it's an intentional look. Um, when I created my first logo, I went on Twitter and I said, hey, who wants to make a logo for free in exchange for being on a newsletter? <laughs> and so because of that, I didn't really have much say in the matter. This time I decided to go with an intentional choice to create a newsletter, to create a logo and a whole logo scheme to go over, along with it. So once I really got the hang of what the newsletter would look like, that's when I started to think about automation. That's when I started to think about how this is going to be a sustainable endeavor and how I'm going to reach people between each week's newsletter and how involved they want to be. So we created Facebook groups. My ultimate goal in starting the newsletter was I wanted to listen to more podcasts. I figured other people wanted to listen to more podcasts. More importantly, I feel like, and I think folks will understand this, the podcast space has really opened up my eyes to different stories that are out there in the world that I don't feel like I would otherwise be exposed to. So it's been a really great way for me to find out about other podcasts, find out about other creators, other podcasters, other folks who are involved in the audio space on a whole. So I'm, I'm, I'm really thankful for the community that has been created through this newsletter, through Earbuds Podcast Collective, and all that it's exposed me to. So running the newsletter also meant that I got to go to podcast festivals like Podcast Movement and eventually things like this, Pod Fiesta, for free in exchange for uh, putting ads in my newsletter. And that's another advantage to starting a newsletter is you, your real estate on your newsletter becomes something that people might potentially want to advertise on. And we'll get, we'll get a little bit more into that in just a moment. So I got to go to podcast festivals. I got to start meeting people in the podcast space and really making worthwhile connections with people all over the world, whether it was virtually or in person. And shortly after I started the newsletter, I started getting involved in the Los Angeles podcast space, which is where I was located at the time. And I met a lot of people, started hosting my own events where we would get together, have a drink, talk about the podcast space. Uh, talk about the future of the podcast space, and really just collaborate with each other in a number of ways. And um, in November of 2017, I started working at a co-working space by uh, pitching the idea of having a podcast studio in that co-working space, all the while running the podcast newsletter on the side. The idea of the podcast studio was that co-working spaces are places where people they gather. It's a hub of innovation. There should be a podcast studio because a lot of people are creating podcasts along with their, with their businesses. And when I look back, was I qualified to do this? No, I didn't know how to build a podcast studio. I didn't know how to find the right, that, the right sound equipment to make the space silent or as close to silent as could be. But did I pretend? Yes, I did pretend. And <laughs> I pretended well enough. And um, we were able to build out a very successful podcast studio that looks great. It's aesthetically pleasing. And we were able to attract a lot of people to the podcast studio, a lot of engineers who wanted to work in the podcast studio, and to also hold podcast festivals in the studio also. So um, that was another thing that kind of propelled me into the podcast space, all by running my podcast newsletter. So I continue running the podcast newsletter. I then go on to work for CastBox which is a podcast listening app that um, that I really, I still use to this day. I actually started 
using CastBox when I went to Podcast Movement in 2017 in Anaheim because they gave out good swag. And um, I was actually just very attracted to, they gave a little key ring to put on the back of a phone. And I had it on my phone for a really long time. And I decided right then and there that that's the app that I was going to use. So swag really does work. So um, eventually I start working for CastBox, all the while running my podcast recommendation newsletter. At CastBox, I was also doing curation of sorts. So that was a really great way to solidify my understanding of how podcasts interact with each other how they get shown on apps and understanding that in within apps, it's not necessarily about an algorithm. There really are real people behind the app that are choosing which podcasts get featured. Some apps to a certain extent do have algorithms, but for, for the most part, at least from the, from the apps that I'm aware of, there's a lot of hum, human, human interaction behind the app. So, my next, my next move was to start working for Squadcast, which is where I am now as the community manager. And at Squadcast, I'm also very involved in writing our weekly podcast newsletter. And that newsletter is called Squadcast Weekly. And it's a community newsletter where we share community news. Um, we share what's going on in the podcast space in general. Thank you to James Cridland at Pod News, where we kind of syndicate his news, some of his news stories onto our newsletter. We also share a squad pod of the week. So we choose a podcast from the larger Squadcast ecosystem and put it right there on our newsletter, get them some clicks, get some people going to their website. And um, we also like to share what's going on in the Squadcast space in terms of what podcasts we have coming out, in terms of what blogs we have coming out, who are we highlighting that week. So we really use that newsletter as an opportunity to build more legitimacy for our own for our own brand. So if we have a blog post that came out earlier that week, uh, we make sure to link to it in the newsletter. If we have a podcast episode that came out earlier that week, we make sure to link to it in the newsletter. And then if you listen to the podcast, you'll find that we tell you about our newsletter. And if you read our blog, you'll find that we tell you about our newsletter. So it's all about creating a cycle of people who want to consume your content all over the place. So let's talk about why you might want to start a newsletter for your podcast or a podcast for your newsletter. There's a lot of ways to go about this. It's about creating content and having folks stick to that content that you're creating. So my, my whole thing when it comes to creating a newsletter really is the fact that if people are signing up for your newsletter, it means that they want to stay up to date on all things you. So I have a podcast called Counter Programming with Shira and Ariel. And in that podcast, we talk about anything that has the word count or counter in the title because it's counter programming. The idea was we started at the beginning of COVID. The idea was it would be a newsletter about anything other than the COVID-19, the grim news around COVID-19. This was started in April of last year. So we really just wanted to make sure that we were consuming content that was not so damaging and stressful. So we started this newsletter and we did not start a newsletter. Sorry, we started this podcast. We did not start a newsletter to go along with it. And that was intentional because we figured, you know, this is going to be a short-lived podcast. We didn't know how long the pandemic would be. We don't necessarily need to spend time telling people to sign up for the newsletter, then creating content for the newsletter, then making sure that we have a call to action at the end of every podcast to sign up for the newsletter and a call to action at the end of every newsletter to listen to the podcast. 
we thought it was going to be a one and done deal. However, if I had known how long this would go on for, I probably would have captured some email addresses because what you're not able to do on podcasts is get people to click on your podcast because you are speaking verbally. Right now, the things I'm saying, yes, it, I could spend the time to get the links, copy and paste them into the chat, make sure you get them and you click them and you interact with them further. I'm not, I'm not able to do that. I'm using my hands to gesticulate, not necessarily to copy and paste right now. So because of that, I kind of lose out on that. But if I were to then take this performance presentation, turn that into a newsletter, highlight all the links that I've mentioned, which have been a lot, namely my mentioning of my website, earbudspodcastcollective.org, you would have the ability to click on all of those things. So that is, I think, one of the biggest reasons to start a newsletter for your podcast. Let's talk about how you would start a newsletter for your podcast. So there's a lot of different email service providers, and I imagine I'm talking to a whole, a whole slew of people, some people who have started newsletters before but are wondering why you should do it for your podcast. Some people who don't know how to start a newsletter and are wondering how to do that. Some people who know how to start a newsletter but want to really figure out how to beef up what it's going to look like, how to have the most effective newsletter. I'll try to hit all of those categories, and if you're in one of them, please raise your hand and let me know. Miko, did we confirm if I can somehow see the comments? That would be lovely. So first, let's go from 101, newsletter 101. How do you start a newsletter? There's a whole bunch of email service providers. Some are free, some are paid. Some are free to a certain number of subscribers, and then they're paid. I started using MailChimp, which is free up to the first 2,000 subscribers. MailChimp is very good if you are interested in a marketing type of newsletter. So this is pretty ideal, actually, for a podcast. If you're writing long swaths of text, I don't recommend MailChimp. I recommend something like Substack. So if you wanted to on Substack, Substack really has emerged lately because it gives creators the ability to... Okay, got it, Miko. You may see the comments on... Thank you. Um, yes, so Substack has emerged recently as a very big email service provider. It's getting a lot of press because they make it very easy for you to be paid to podcast. Sorry, paid to write your newsletter. People can sign up for a free tier or a paid tier. They can pay $2 a month, $7 a month, whatever you choose. So that that's a that's a great possibility, and you may be swayed by it. However, I'll say that it might be hard for you to, to garner paid subscribers, especially if you're already having people listen to your podcast. Uh, it really depends what kind of clout you have in the community of the podcast that you're putting out into the world. So MailChimp is really great, I think, for creating a newsletter surrounding your podcast because the links look pretty, the buttons look pretty. It, it's, a, it's a nice looking newsletter if you can get the template to look right. There's also other options. You should look into a Weber. Active Campaign, Convert Kit, and again, if this were a newsletter, you would have the ability to click on all of these things. However, it is not. I'll try to follow up. If you have any questions, please feel free to reach out. And um, I believe my contact information, yes, is right there on the screen. So what do you do once you have your email service provider? That's when you want to figure out what kind of, no, I don't see the questions. If you want to, uh, because I'm on the stream yard, so I don't know if maybe they're not showing up over here. Oh, how do I make my, I see one. How do you make your newsletter enticing to the readers? That's a great question. So 
Um, yes, it's a really good question because you don't want people signing up for the newsletter and then having no reason to be there. The worst thing, the worst nightmare for an email marketer is to have people delete the newsletter before they even open it. That is very bad for your for your brand, but also for your statistics. So first and foremost is your subject line. It's got to be quick. It's got to be snappy. Uh, MailChimp suggests nine words and under with only one emoji. Nothing more than that because it kind of looks spammy. So I suggest if you have a podcast and your podcast is called The Reader's Digest and you talk to people about the books that they're reading, just a hypothetical, maybe your each of your subject lines is something like, here's what Erica is reading this week, and then colon that book. If it's something like new podcast episode, you're probably not going to, you're probably not going to encourage that many people to check you out. So your subject lines really got to grab somebody in and make it so that they want to click. Then you really want to make sure that your newsletter does not have too much text in one place. So you want to make sure that um, you've got short sentences that are not hard to read, that your words are not, that your words are not very, um, you know, nothing too, nothing too intellectual, nothing too academic, but really just what's the point of this newsletter? Get the point across. I like to speak in bottom line up front when it comes to newsletter. Bluff, that's a little acronym to help you remember. Bottom line up front. So if your goal is to get somebody to click on a link to listen to your podcast episode, the first thing you should say is um, listen to our latest episode, period. In our latest episode, you'll hear from Erica about the books that she's read recently. Instead of Erica really enjoyed listening to, uh, Erica really enjoyed reading um, The Milky Way. Listen to that episode because that gives your listeners a chance to decide right up front if they're going to click on that link. And then they can decide to read on and find out why they might want to click that link. Uh, so really, uh, to answer that question, you just want to make sure that you are that you are always employing bottom line upfront language. Um, and I can go into, into that a little bit more in a bit. Let me get to this question. I struggle with things like a blog or newsletter because of time constraints. That is extremely understandable. There are some services out there that make it easy for you to um, repurpose your content. So one of those is called podreacher.com, P-O-D-R-E-A-C-H-E-R.com. Again, click on my words. You can't, unfortunately, but if this were a newsletter, you would be able to. Um, another reason to have a newsletter. So sites like podreacher.com will take the information from your that week's episode and make that into something that is easily digestible uh, in, in a written format. And that really is a way for you to just maximize all the things that you've created uh, all across the board, whether it's on a blog, whether it's on a newsletter, whether it's a podcast, whether maybe you also want to create TikToks, maybe you want to create Instagram posts, lots of different ways you can do that. Uh, another thing that you can do when it comes to um, time constraints is your newsletter doesn't have to be anything too too much. The initial setup might take some time, figuring out what template you want to use, figuring out what kind of um, figuring out what kind of template you want to use, figuring out what kind of color scheme you want to use, and then keeping that consistent from week to week is something to keep up with. However, once you set that up the first time, you really should be okay and good to go. And then when it comes to creating from week to week, it's really just about changing out some links, making sure things are 
updated for that week and that they are going to be enticing. We had another question come in. How do you make them keep reading it and opening it? That is a great question. Again, I think it all ties back to, um, I think it all ties back to having a really compelling subject line, having a really compelling first few sentences so that they are not going to click right off right after they read it. They re you really want to make sure that they've got something in there. So one thing that you can do is have a call to action in your podcast that maybe there's a contest going on specifically in your newsletter. So say in the podcast, you say on this, make sure you open this week's newsletter because the first 10 people to open it, get a free shirt or the first 10 people to open the newsletter, get a chance to be a guest on the show. You can come up with any contest that you want that makes it clickable. And once they get used to clicking on your newsletter, they're going to want to keep coming back for more because they know that the content is something worth coming to. I hope that helps. Is it okay to write your podcast show notes to be repurposed as an email copy? Absolutely. You can do whatever you want with your podcast show notes. There are, it can be hard to get your podcast show notes to really rank for search engine optimization. You want to do some keyword research in advance. Say your podcast is about books. What are your key listeners? What are your target listeners, target audience? What are they searching for to find your podcast? That's some of the same language that you want to use in your show notes, and that's some of the same language that you want to use in your email. I would caution you to write the exact same thing between the show notes and the email because the email you are writing to someone specifically, and it's a little bit similar to creating a podcast. You want to speak to a listener rather than the listeners because it's an intimate experience and they should feel like they are hearing directly from you. And that should be the same thing in the newsletter as well. So your show notes are kind of meant for a broader audience. It can have the same content in it. It can have the links that you talked about. It can have the summary of the podcast episode. You can put that all in there. Just make sure it's addressed to one person. Hope that answers your question. All right. Got another question over here. Do you suggest newsletters to not be wordy or very technical? I think that all depends on what your podcast is about. I think if your podcast is about me mechanical engineering, it can be extremely technical. I think if your podcast is about books, it can be wordy. However, I, 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 do, I do advocate for keeping newsletters short unless you're writing uh, a Substack newsletter, which people kind of more expect to be wordier, longer, fewer pictures, but still some pictures to break up the large blocks of texts. And um, keeping it technical, keeping it, um, keeping it towards something that gives your listeners an action is advised as well. So what do you want them to do at the end of each newsletter? Maybe it's listen to the podcast. Maybe it's follow you on social. Maybe it's enter a contest on social. Maybe it's email you directly and tell tell you what they thought of this week's episode. Make sure you make that very clear. How can I best market my podcast? That's that's a great question. It's actually a, a, an entire other talk that I like to do. I'll give you one of my one of my suggestions, which is to get comfortable working with different podcast apps. So aside from Apple and Spotify, there are so many different podcast apps that hundreds of thousands of people use every day. So yes, Apple and Spotify have millions and millions of people, but there are still some other podcast apps. So let's think about, let's think about Radio Public, Overcast, Zen, um, five minutes, 
Let's think about CastBox. Let's think about Good Pods. There's so many more. There's at least 100, honestly. All of these places have a lot of uh, thousands of people going on there every day and listening to their podcasts right there on those apps. Your podcast is most likely available on all of those podcast listening apps. So the first thing that you should do is go and see what your podcast looks like on all of those podcast listening apps. Because it could be that from some sort of RSS mistake, it doesn't look as nice in one podcast uh, listening app as it does in another. And you can easily remedy that by creating an account. Usually it's free to do so on all of these podcast listening apps and editing what your podcast artwork looks like. Maybe it's maybe you can add a specific um, call to action right there in the podcast app. Lots of things you can do there. So first thing to do is just make sure you know what your podcast uh, looks like in all of these podcast listening apps. The second thing to do to market your podcast is to check out on each of these podcast listening apps if there are any free opportunities for you to market your podcast. So for example, in CastBox, where I used to work, you can apply to have your podcast featured. And the way you do that is right there in the app, you can navigate all the way over to the personal tab. I'm kind of remembering this off the top of my head, so it might have changed. But you can navigate to the personal tab and then you can click apply to be featured. And there are some restrictions for what your podcast has to be, some um, limitations. Maybe you have to have X number of episodes and you have to have X number of subscribers, but then you can apply to be featured. I know that there are other ways to be um, to have your podcast uh, kind of broadcast to the larger, the homepage of the app in several other apps. But then there's also things like if you go to Apple, you can apply to get a QR code that has your podcast artwork right there in the center of the QR code. So that looks really great on your website and it makes it look like you have a special relationship with Apple and your listeners don't have to know that everybody can get that QR code. So those are some of my some of my tips for marketing your podcast. I know I have about three minutes left, so I wanted to check if there are any more questions or if I didn't get to something. Let's see. I would also recommend if you start a podcast newsletter to become familiar with Facebook groups that um, that can help you with your with your newsletter. So just like there's tons of Facebook groups out there to help with podcast production, with podcast marketing, and finding guests for podcasts, there are also Facebook groups to help you with newsletter writing. One of my favorites is called Newsletter Creators. Very simple, very to the point, Newsletter Creators. And if you go to Newsletter Creators and you have a newsletter, you can ask questions about what's the best subject line? Let me A-B test this within this group right now and see which one you like better, which one you're more likely to click. There's also a really great um, Slack group that I like called Swapstack, S-W-A-P-S-T-A-C-K. Swapstack is a marketplace between newsletter writers and newsletter advertisers, and you can essentially apply to have your newsletter be sponsored by these advertisers. So that's a really great resource if you are looking to have your newsletter monetized. So that's kind of my walkthrough of why you should have a podcast newsletter or why I didn't really get into why you shouldn't. Here's a quick why you shouldn't. (laughs) It does take a lot of time. It can take a lot of time to create a podcast newsletter. It also can not necessarily be the place that your listeners want to congregate. Maybe they really are just interested in listening and they don't want to spend the time reading another newsletter. So bottom line for everything when it comes to podcasting and content creation is find out what your listeners, what your audience want from you. Ask them, do a listener survey, 
ask them directly if you know them and see what they want. And that is why you maybe should have a newsletter and why you shouldn't have a newsletter. If you want to hear more from me, um, you can follow me on Instagram at Earbuds Podcast Collective, on Twitter at Earbuds Podcall. My personal Instagram is Ari This and That, and same with Twitter. And you can always send me an email at squadcast at ariel at squadcast.fm. I'm happy to share more information about podcast marketing or about newsletter writing in general. And thank you again so much to Miko and the team at Pod Fiesta, and congratulations on the first ever Pod Fiesta. Thank you. Yeah. Wow, that was yeah, wonderful. But- I I really enjoyed the whole thing. I'd probably give Mailchimp a try because yes. I, I just want to put it out there. You know, like I want to use Mailchimp. A shot. I haven't yeah. tried, but I've heard of Mailchimp, and because of you recommending it, so I'd probably <laughs> give it a shot soon. So thank you for right. sharing those knowledge to us and. Yeah, we would like to remind all the participants in here that Ariel is going to have a hop-in session after this, so you can check her out on the hop-in for questions that you want to ask her about newsletters and podcasting as well. So thank you, Ariel, for giving us your time, and then we'll be sending you back. And we'll see you.